0: right so we are in the book of mark we're in chapter one and uh before we get going in this book something that we need to do to kind of help us uh get the message that i want to get from this chapter today is we've got to understand what and it's this way with each of the gospels is it's pretty much you know picking up where malachi left off and the book of mark especially does that we you know a a good way to just think of this is just malachi was the last thing and then we're going to go right into the book of Mark. And it does it I mean, it literally right off the bat. It quotes Malachi and it notice in the very first verse, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So are we reading about the gospel right here? I mean, it's getting ready to talk about John the Baptist it's getting ready to talk about the baptism of Jesus Christ, but it's telling us here, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Now, uh I, I love the way this starts out because everything that we are about to read in these next 16 chapters is good news. Every bit of it is important, especially okay, if you were a Jew and you had been under the law. You know, you had been trying to follow the law. You were familiar with these prophecies. You were waiting for these prophecies. Specifically, the one about John the Baptist who is going to come and prepare the way of the Lord. This is a major event they've been looking for for 400 years. So this is a really big deal here, and everything about it is good news, and we'll see that as as we get going, because every detail of Jesus' life that the Bible tells us, it's important. There's something that we can learn from every word that Jesus said, every story about Jesus, every miracle, every parable. It has something important that we're supposed to learn, and ultimately, it's what we need to know to be saved. In fact, the book of Mark it records a lot of miracles of Jesus, and there's reasons. All those miracles, it's not just telling us what happened, even though it is exactly what happened, because Jesus did a lot of miracles that aren't even recorded. The book of John tells us that, but the ones that are recorded are recorded for a reason, and it's important that we know what these things are. So this is the beginning of the gospel, and ultimately what we're going to talk about in this chapter is the gospel of the kingdom, all right? We're all familiar with that term. The gospel of the kingdom. And unlike the Ruckmanite dispensational types, um, I believe the gospel of the kingdom is the same gospel that we preach today. Now, they will argue till they're blue in the face over that. They will tell you it is a different gospel. And I'm gonna, and this is not going to be, I, I, there's no way, cause I'm, I'm trying to just preach through Mark 1, I'm gonna be able to, you know, Make sure there's no stone unturned. But I'm going to show you, though, uh, a lot of proof just from this chapter that this is, in fact, the same gospel that we preach. And there's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. But one of the things that Ruckmanites do is they try to use 1 Corinthians 15 to and then to make verses one through four to make the gospel only about the death, burial and resurrection. And that's just that's not the case that's not right go ahead and turn over to first corinthians 15 because i want to point out something to you here this is very important people like to create rules with the bible that way they can force the bible to fit their theology instead of just letting the bible form their theology and so they're always like no it's death, burial, the resurrection that's a that's gospel if it's talking about anything else then it's a different gospel now if it's about jesus it's the same gospel it's the gospel of the grace of god it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's, it's Paul's gospel. My gospel. It's all, it's all the, it's all these things. But look what he says in verse one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, According to the scriptures. And so that right there that proves that it can only be the death, burial, and resurrection. But wait, he goes on and says, And that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve, and he was seen above five hundred brethren at once. The greater part remained of this present, but some are falling asleep. He was after that he was seen to James and also of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen to me also. So Paul, that that isn't even recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's not until the book of Acts. And Paul is basically saying, you know, he's bringing all these things up. Why don't they include that in the gospel? You know why? Because really, everything about Jesus—it's all a gospel. It's all good news, and I think we'll understand that more as we go on. Obviously, the death, burial, and resurrection are the main things, but there's no gospel without a virgin birth, is there? In fact, there's no there's no death without the birth of Christ. You know, the death of Christ is pointless without the deity of Christ, and all these things are proof. You know, every one of these things are proof. Throughout the Gospels and that's why we call these books the Gospels. So anything about Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, it is it is about the Gospel. Another thing the Ruckmanites don't like to bring up, while they love going to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, it says that how he died according to the Scriptures. Let's talk about the Old Testament. He's buried, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel, as defined in 1 Corinthians 15, is according to the scriptures. So you can't tell me, and he says this is the gospel that we're saved by. And it's based off the scriptures in the Old Testament. And you're going to try to tell me that it's a different gospel in the Old Testament? I'm sorry. You're never going to convince me of that. That's just absolutely false. So verse 2 says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The book of Mark is unique because it's not like Matthew where it starts about talk, starts talking about his birth or like uh, Luke where it starts talking about his birth even before he was born. Mark starts right off with John the Baptist. I mean, it picks up right where the book of Malachi left off, which I think is, is very interesting. We're going to go to Malachi here in a little bit, but notice what it says in verse 4. It says... John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And so what exactly was this message that John preached? What, you know, what was John saying? Was John saying, you know, was he did his gospel presentation, was it verbatim what we say? Well, obviously the, some of the words would have been different, but he, you know what? There's, we're going to see he was preaching Jesus. There's no doubt about that. We'll show that in a little bit. So this, there's no way this was a different gospel. okay? Because remember, too, the New Testament, in a sense, it's not just a new thing or a new plan, but it's something that has always been God's plan, and it was even prophesied about in the Old Testament. So whenever Mark, who's giving the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he kicks it off right away, quoting the Old Testament, showing what I'm about to tell you, what I am writing to you, is what was prophesied in the Old Testament mark is showing everything that he is about to write everything he's about to say is according to the scriptures it lines up with the old testament it does not contradict the old testament and and there and that's true nothing in the book of mark contradicts the old testament and so it says in verse six and john was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins and he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached saying there cometh one mightier than i after me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So notice, everyone would agree, John the Baptist, while preaching, is preaching Jesus. Uh, he didn't say Jesus. Well, who do you think the one coming after him was? Who do you think the one, the latchet of whose shoe he wasn't worthy to unloose, you know, so uh you didn't say the name of Jesus. Well, again, it had, that hadn't been revealed yet. It, once that's been revealed, then that, yes, that is in fact a requirement, but there's no doubt he's preaching Jesus right here. And so, um, you know, while some of the terminology and while some of his script might've been a little different than what we say, there is no doubt it's the same gospel. Let me show you why. Okay, so first off, Verse 1 is introducing us to the gospel of Jesus. I mean, the very first verse, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So do you think all of a sudden now when we get to verse 2 and 3 and 4 that we're now on the subject of another gospel? No, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he starts off telling us the be- this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then the very first thing it does is it goes to John preaching the gospel of the kingdom and you're going to tell me that's not the gospel of jesus christ you're absolutely insane and you have no ability to use any consistent hermeneutic when it comes to your uh, interpreting of the scriptures that's ridiculous verse 2 and 3 is showing that john's ministry is the fulfillment of prophecy now let's go ahead and go to matthew chapter 3 matthew chapter 3 and not, I said Matthew, Malachi, I mean, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 3. Okay, I don't have it in my notes. Malachi chapter 3. Notice this, because this is, remember, this is, Mark's picking up where the Old Testament left off. So it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So this one who's going to prepare the way of the Lord, notice he's going to come and he's he's going, that's John the Baptist, he's going to prepare the way of the Lord and then the Lord is going to suddenly come into his temple. All right, that's what it says. Now, let me ask you, when did that happen? I mean, did anybody... Can anybody think when that could have happened well let's keep reading verse 2 but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth for he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap and notice in matthew 3 verse 11 john speaking says i indeed baptize you with water under repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than i whose shoes i am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire Whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So, no, and then uh, Malachi 3 verse 3 says, And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purify, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering and righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old as in the former years. So Jesus Christ, he's going to come and he's going to purify everybody. He's going to cleanse everybody. Now, when we're looking at Malachi chapter three, it's real easy to get the idea that, and I think this was the idea that was in the Jews head, that the Messiah is going to come. He's going to come into the temple. He's going to purify us. We're going to offer up an acceptable sacrifice. And then he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And then we'll basically inherit the earth and you know go into what we would call the millennium okay now understand a lot of things that i'm going to bring up in this sermon and some of it's it's speculating as far as it's okay for us to talk about what things would have been like had the jews accepted christ okay it's i think it's a very important discussion i think it's an interesting discussion and while we you know probably no two people are going to completely agree on how things would look it's okay to talk about it and speculate a little bit because of the fact that they were commanded to accept him, but they didn't. They rejected him. And it's just like us speculating what would have happened if Adam and Eve never ate the forbidden fruit. Okay. And so if we get some things a, a little wrong, you know, it's, it's, it's no big deal there, but understand some of this I'm going to be talking about. I'm speculating a little bit, but anyway. So, but this is what they were looking for in, Ma, in from Malachi three. They were looking for, uh, someone who's going to come, and they're going to offer this acceptable offering. It says, then should the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. Okay? Now, when did this literally take place? Literally speaking, this never did take place, and it never will. Okay? And verse 5 says, and I will come near to you in judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, Against the false swears and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now, what does that mean right there? Everybody loves that verse, for I am the Lord, I change not. Yesterday, today, forever. You know, Jesus couldn't have changed when he became a baby because Christ is saying yesterday, today, forever. For I am the Lord, I change not jesus couldn't have died when he died on the cross because he is the lord he changes not what that's talking about there in context because jesus did die on the cross is it's talking about how he's always merciful he's even though israel constantly messed up you know what he never did he never consumed jacob and you know what it's a it's a great thing it's a great mystery and um, I don't know how I'm ever going to get to this chapter to like prove all these things. But you know what? He still didn't consume them even after they rejected the Messiah. You know what he did? He still made a way of salvation for them. Jesus will still save Jews today. You know why? Because he is the Lord. He changes not. And he, and he never has completely destroyed these people. They are not cast away. They can be saved. So it says, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Now, when did Israel return to Christ? Did they return to Christ when John the Baptist came? No. Did they return to Christ when Jesus preached? No. They killed John the Baptist and they killed Jesus. Okay. So Israel did not do what Malachi said they were supposed to do. But God does not change. And God did not consume them. God still made a way of salvation for them. And remember, the book of Mark is written after Jesus has died on the cross and ascended to heaven, right? All this is written afterwards. So we have Malachi where it's telling them what they're supposed to do. And guess what? They failed. They messed up. They should be in trouble. Jesus should come and smite the earth with a curse. He should consume them. But he is a Lord. He changes not. You know what he did? He made a way of salvation for them. And that's good news, even though they messed up. Jesus didn't mess up even though they couldn't keep the law Jesus did keep the law even though when john the baptist came and preached The jews killed them even though when jesus was on earth, he never did purify the sons of levi They never did offer up an acceptable sacrifice But you know what the good news is jesus came as the high priest and he offered up himself as an acceptable sacrifice And so all the promises of the old testament are still going to be fulfilled just not through physical israel but through jesus christ who, by the way, was from physical Israel, therefore all those prophecies are fulfilled. The prophecies about Israel are fulfilled, they are just fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was of the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ came from them, so this is all good news, and that blessing that came from Jesus Christ, or that came through Abraham with Jesus Christ ended up being a blessing all nations all the nations of the earth are blessed through israel why because it because israel gave us all the stuff that israel's given people today no because they gave us the messiah and so we've all been blessed through israel because of the messiah so you know who we focus on now the messiah jesus christ not not the ones who have rejected jesus christ that's ridiculous so john was preaching jesus we see in this story we have people confessing that they were sinners while there were others who would not acknowledge their sins we see that in in uh some of the other gospels where john is saying say not within yourself we have abraham and our father god is able these stones to raise up children unto abraham so you're gonna have a tough time convincing me John's preaching a different gospel when he's preaching Jesus Christ and people are confessing their sins. You know what it sounds like? A people who were looking for someone who was gonna come and prepare the way of the Lord. They were looking for someone who was gonna come prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord was gonna come and he was gonna be the refiner's fire and a fuller soap. It looks like these people were figuring out that they needed to confess their sins. It looks like they knew that their keeping of the law was not sufficient it was not good enough what were they doing they're confessing their sins they're not offering up sacrifices they're getting baptized you know what they're doing they're trusting in this coming messiah is what they're doing sounds a lot like the same thing that we preach sounds like the same thing that we do they're just looking at it from a different direction they're looking forward we're looking backwards now i know bill grady says it's the biggest dumbest bunch of junkies ever heard saying they were looking forward to the cross but folks That's exactly what they were doing. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. So it's important that we know how this book starts with John preaching about a coming baptism of the Holy Ghost that was different than water baptism. It's very important that we point this out at the beginning because otherwise you might get confused when we get to the end of the book in Mark 16 verse 15. When it says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, and people say that's prove you have to be baptized to be saved. But wait a minute. At the beginning of the book, John, who's baptizing people, says, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Why wouldn't it, why wouldn't we assume it's the Holy Ghost baptism? The beginning of the book tells us of a coming Holy Ghost baptism that Jesus Christ is going to do. So why wouldn't that be what it's talking about here? In the book of Acts, in uh, Acts chapter 1, in verse, lost my spot, uh, fifteen or verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So, you know, I think it's safe to assume, talking about Holy Ghost baptism, that's what you get when you believe on Christ, and he saves you, he saves you, and his blood covers us, it cleanses us from our sin, we are baptized in Jesus Christ, and everyone who is saved has been baptized by Jesus Christ. Now, not everybody's been baptized in the water. Everybody should get baptized in the water, but not everybody does. But everybody who's going to go to heaven has been baptized by Jesus Christ but not necessarily water baptism. Why? Because that's a different baptism. There's more than one baptism. So verse 9 says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now, the book of Mark gives us very little detail on this story. Uh, We know more about it from some of the other Gospels, but it's worth noting how it mentions how Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And something changed, I believe, in Jesus' life after his baptism. And I think we can find out what that was in John chapter 3 and verse 30. It says, He must increase, but I must decrease. John's talking about Jesus and Himself. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And that, and what He hath seen and heard, that He testifieth and no man receiveth His testimony. He that received His testimony hath set to His seal that God is true. For He whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit By measure unto him the father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son Shall not see life but the wrath of god abideth on him when jesus christ was baptized We know from the other gospels the holy spirit Came in and ascended like a dove and lighted upon him And the bible tells us that god gave him the spirit without measure and so jesus christ I believe he lived a very normal life, you know, as an individual, it's just one that was without sin. It, it's it's my opinion that Jesus didn't do, and, you know, and I think it's actually very, you know, maybe not my opinion, but biblical, that Jesus never did any miracles before turning the water into wine, because that's mentioned as his first miracle. You know, I, I think all the miracles came after he got an extra dose of the Spirit of God of the holy spirit and understand jesus had his own personal spirit too because he was a man just like you and i but when he was baptized god saw him and god was pleased with him you know why because on that 30 year old man there was no there was no sin on him whatsoever nothing wrong with him and what did he do he went to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness he was being obedient to the father he was about to start fulfilling his role as a Messiah to bring salvation and deliverance to the people of this world. And God saw that and God was pleased with that and God gave him that spirit. And then immediately the spirit drives him in the wilderness. And then in the book of Mark, we start reading about a bunch of miracles that Jesus did. And all these things were proving exactly who Jesus was. So verse 14 says, now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Okay? What were they supposed to repent of? Well, he's saying, Repent ye and believe the gospel, so it sounds like they need to repent of their unbelief. I mean, am I isegeting this too much? Am I reading into it, or am I just or are we just looking at exactly what it says? So what, because again, what is this gospel of the kingdom? And now Matthew chapter 17, verse 9 says, And they came down from the mountain. Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise also shall the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So here's what the gospel of the kingdom was. The gospel of the kingdom was that the Lord was going to come to his temple. He was going to purify the sons of Levi. They were going to offer an acceptable sacrifice to God for the remission of sins. Okay? The thing is, though, that actually did happen just not by the jews as a people jesus as a jew did it all by himself that's what we have got to understand and that's why salvation is only in jesus christ and not in a physical people that is why we do not exalt a physical people today we do not look at the jews and refer to them as the elect we refer to jesus christ as god's elect we refer to those who are in christ as god's elect we don't look to them as the chosen people we look to jesus christ the messiah the anointed one chosen of god to take away sins from the earth you know why because the jews couldn't get it done they as a people as a whole couldn't get it done but one who came from them did get it done so in reality it is okay to say that salvation came from israel because jesus was born of israel but it didn't come from everyone who is of israel and that is why our focus is on Jesus, not a race. They failed, but Jesus succeeded. So all those things that they were looking for that are mentioned in the book of Malachi and in the Old Testament, all of those things were fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, he's the one who purifies us. He's the one who offered up an acceptable sacrifice. He did that on the cross. And therefore, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's the same gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of jesus christ you know why because the kingdom it comes through jesus christ he's he's the one that finished it all the scriptures are fulfilled through jesus christ he does it all so verse 16 now as he walked by the sea of galilee he saw simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishers and jesus said to them come ye after me and i will make you to become fishes of men And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in a ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So Jesus now, he's going out, he's recruiting men to spread the gospel of the kingdom. Because the Jews, they were looking for this Messiah who was going to come and establish his kingdom, and the time was at hand. So this is good news. They flat out said this. The time is at hand. It's time. It is time for this to take place. But the fact that they didn't receive it, it didn't mess up God's plan at all, because God always knew how things were going to go down, and he He revealed it to us through preaching of the Old Testament, through New Testament preaching of Old Testament Scriptures. All the things that were done in the New Testament are all hidden in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament was revealed through the preaching that we see in the New Testament. That's what you gotta understand about things too. When the Bible's also been referring to things being revealed through preaching, it's referring to the preaching that they did in the New Testament on the Old Testament. From guys like Stephen, from guys like Paul, from guys like Peter and James, these guys who were preaching Exactly what we preach today, but they were basing it all off Old Testament scriptures. And the things that they couldn't understand back then, people were understanding them very clearly now after they heard the preaching. And so that's why you've got the Ethiopian eunuch. He can't understand Isaiah when he's reading it. But when Philip preaches Jesus to him, he gets it just great. And so now we can read the preaching in the New Testament and we can get the gospel just great. It makes perfect sense. You know why? Because the preaching of the New Testament is God revealing his plan. It's God revealing salvation. Now, nobody's going to go to the Old Testament by themselves. Nobody's going to go just read the Old Testament and figure out salvation without the preaching of the New Testament. The New Testament is what reveals the Old Testament. Y'all understand that? And sometimes people, they take those verses about how God reveals things through preaching, And they make that about the New Testament. But no, that's God revealing the Old Testament through preaching. And so when we read the preaching from the New Testament, then all of a sudden now we understand the Old Testament. And so you and I, we see the gospel crystal clear in the Old Testament, don't we? You know why? Not because we read the Old Testament, but because we read the Old Testament and then we heard the preaching from the New Testament. And then now we look back on that and Malachi 3 makes perfect sense to me. Now that we have the New Testament, if it wasn't for the preaching of John the Baptist, if it wasn't for the preaching of the Apostle Paul, I would be pretty confused. I wouldn't get saved from reading the book of Malachi, but I will if I'm reading the Apostle Paul, if I'm reading the Gospels. Then we've got a different story right there. So where were we on that? I got a little sidetrack there. Uh, verse 21. So it says, And they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And, there, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. So notice, Jesus didn't get up like some beta male passive teacher today. You know what he did? He got up and he spoke like he was the boss. And there was no doubt that he was right. He didn't get up there. And, you know, I, I know you all have your opinions on this, folks, but... This is my interpretation of what the Old Testament says. Now, let's hear your interpretation. What version did you bring? You know, you say what you think. And, you know, let's all, you know, have a little, uh, you know, let's all sit in circles and get some community and let's all share. Now, you know what he did? He got up and he just let her rip. This is what the Bible says. This is what it means. I'm right. You're wrong. Repent. That's what he did. You know, I like that. And it says, and, and, and now they didn't. They were kind of like people today. They, they don't like that kind of thing. You know, you know, you're all allowed to have your beliefs as long as your belief isn't that somebody else's beliefs are wrong. You know, then, then we've got a problem. But you know what? We can't all be right. <laughs> it's, it's not possible. Verse 23 says, and they were in the synagogues. A man with an unclean spirit. Now we're about to see a miracle here, and I have pointed this out many times when I preached on the miracles of Christ. We're gonna we'll we'll pay attention to this as we go through the book of Mark. The miracles are always there for a reason. And it's important that we don't just focus on the miracle, but why the Bible recorded this particular miracle. It's important that we get that. It helps us get a little more insight and understand the things, and so we're not missing the main message, okay? I might be wanting to preach about demon-possessed people, and it's okay if I use something from this passage, but ultimately, we're not really learning about demon-possessed people here. You know what we're learning about in this miracle we're about to see here? is we're about to learn about the authority that Jesus had. And it's doing that on purpose because Jesus was just preaching with authority in a way that astonished the people. And so he, he, the Bible isn't going to show Jesus just get up and speaking with authority without proving he had the authority to preach that way. And so as soon as it finishes telling us about the authority that he spoke with, All of a sudden, it shows us a great example of the authority that he had. And says in verse 24, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him, and they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame th- spread uh, abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So no doubt why this story is here. One, I mean, it's a miracle casting the devil out of somebody, but this particular miracle is recorded because mark is preaching us the gospel it's given the beginning of the gospel and you know what he's doing he's showing that the things that jesus preached the words that we are going to hear from jesus christ throughout this book you better believe he had the authority to say the things that he said you know why look at what he was able to do with the demons they saw him and they knew who he was they recognized who he was and even the devil's Submitted to his authority because they knew the power that he had to do. When they saw him, they're like, "Are you come to destroy us?" You know why? Because even the devils know they're going to be destroyed one of these days, and they know who's going to do it too. The you know, think about this: the devils, they have a greater belief and a greater faith than your average atheist out there today. Atheists are going to be destroyed by God one of these days, aren't they? But you know what? They don't believe that. They don't recognize that. They blaspheme against that. At least a bunch of demons, when they get around Jesus. They beg for mercy, knowing that he is going to take care of them one of these days. I think that's a pretty amazing thing right there, just showing these atheists they're worse than devils when you stop and think about it. So uh, no doubt why that story is there. So the book of Mark, though, it does. It focuses a lot on the miracles of Jesus. And so these miracles, these were something Jesus did to prove He was who he said he was. The miracles always had a spiritual message that went with them. It was more than Jesus just showing he could do really cool things, but it was him showing he could do the spiritual things that he claimed to do. Because the message we're supposed to get from this is a spiritual message. The words that Jesus speak, they are spirit and life. The gospel is a spiritual message. The Bible is a spiritual book. The the cleansing that we get, the healing, the life we get, all these things, these are spiritual things. And so if Jesus is going to make these claims that he can do all these spiritual things, then you know what he did? He did it by proving he could do them by doing amazing physical things. Things that defy science, that that are beyond our comprehension, things that we can't understand, things that just, you know, I'm sorry, folks, go try it all you want. You can't walk on water. You can't do it. You can't heal a withered hand. You can't recover sight to the blind. You can't do these things. What Jesus did, all of these things, he did it to prove he was who he said he was. So verse 29, it says, And forthwith, when they came out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. This was Jesus punishing Peter ahead of time for denying him by healing his mother-in-law. Well, never mind, lame joke right there, but verse 32, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So while there's many different miracles mentioned right here, I think ultimately what we're seeing is just the authority that Jesus had. I mean, he's healed, I mean he's rebuking fevers and, I mean, just doing medical things just from the very words of his mouth. This is, again, showing the authority that he had. And so in verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. So notice how, I mean, after all these miracles Jesus did here at first, it was received really good. I mean, the disciples said, All men seek for thee. Everybody's looking for you. Isn't that the response that Jesus wanted? I mean, when when you go out and preach, isn't that what you want? You want people to listen? You want people to pay attention isn't that what was going on right here that's what was going on at first but notice jesus he's wanting to make sure the message gets spread abroad to all of israel and in the beginning it was all about israel So he's like all right I'm, I'm glad they're receiving it good here but you know what we've got to tell everybody else we've got to go to the next towns and that's why he recruited these disciples and he sends them all out two by two so they can tell everyone why because they're telling israel the kingdom of god is at hand What you've been, you know, the Messiah is here. What you've been waiting for, what was prophesied in Malachi, it is a hand, it is about to happen. They're preparing the hearts of the people. And so it says in verse 39, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper unto him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter now this is interesting because it would appear that jesus ministry was very successful but you know whose ministry wouldn't be successful when they're doing miracles like this okay now let's think about this for a little bit if the whole idea is getting people the message preaching, preaching the gospel isn't that good When everybody's hearing about it, why did he tell this man that he healed of his leprosy not to tell anyone? Have you ever thought about that? I've thought about that before and I never really completely understood it until now. I actually think I get it now. Why he would tell people sometimes don't tell anybody what I did. Because there's, there's a reason for that. Okay. Because again, we've got a mob. Jesus is trying to get away from the mobs and they're coming for him. Isn't this good? Isn't this success? I mean, the disciples came. All men seek for thee. Isn't this exactly what Jesus should want? But here's the thing about that. You know what else we see throughout the Gospels? When these people were following Jesus, and this is why I believe Jesus would sometimes tell them, don't tell anybody what I did. You know why? Because Jesus didn't want people following him for the wrong reasons. And so if a guy, if somebody's healing somebody of leprosy, Everybody's going to want to go there to get healing from whatever physical problem they have but jesus came to save people He came to cleanse people spiritually and you know what sometimes while jesus would do these miracles to prove He was who he said he was he wasn't here to put on a show He wasn't here to put on a spectacle and just do miracles Yes, he did it for this man because I believe this man had great faith Jesus hadn't healed anybody of leprosy yet but that man comes to Jesus and he said, if thou wilt, you, you can make me clean. And when Jesus, you know, he sees faith like that, okay, he heals that man. But he tells him don't tell everybody because that's going to get everybody looking for him for the wrong reason. Because you know what we're going to see throughout you know, the, the book of Mark? And what one thing we see throughout the Gospels is people flocking Jesus because of miracles. But then when he preaches to him spiritual stuff, he loses the crowd every time. So you know what? It looks like he's successful here, but in reality, it wasn't successful, was it? In reality, Jesus is in, on one hand, Jesus' ministry was not successful because it ended in them killing him. That's how it ended. You know, that's why we see Jesus, he feeds a multitude with five loaves and two fish, and you know what message they got? This guy can keep our bellies full. But then when Jesus preaches to them, I am the bread of life. How's that going to fill our stomachs? They didn't get the message, did they? I mean, they they got a belly full of food, but that is not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to feed people's bellies. He came to save their souls. And so uh, I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus would often tell people, don't tell everybody what I did because it would have gotten the people chasing him for the wrong reasons. And Jesus was trying to get a spiritual message across and so what we end up seeing later in jesus's ministry is one where satan also is working on the hearts of the people through the pharisees and then we do we see things change when people reject the spiritual message that jesus tried getting across to them they weren't able to see the truth because they could still couldn't get the a whole they couldn't get a hold of the fact that they were sinful they couldn't get a hold of the fact No, this is the Messiah. What what were the Pharisees constantly doing? They were constantly questioning Jesus, trying to trip him up, trying to tempt him, trying to turn people against him. They would accuse him of sin. They accused him of being born of fornication. They accused him of being a wine bibber. They would accuse him of all these things. They told him, you're not a friend of Caesar. They accused him of all these things, trying to turn people against him. There's no doubt that was the working of Satan going on during that time. And all these people, they had a, just a haughty attitude. And the thing is, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Jesus Christ was there. But the problem is, Jesus couldn't work with the type of people that were in Israel during that time. He, he, he can't work with the people like that. It was just like when he came down on the mountain during Moses' day, and he told him, cleanse yourself. But then whenever he came down on the mountain, he's like, if anybody touches the base of that mountain, kill him. And then what did God do? He gave them a law to show them that they were sinful. But you know what? Here we are, you know, nearly 2,000 years later, and they still don't see themselves as sinful. They still, they see themselves as just all that in a bag of chips because they're Abraham's seed. And what do they do? They reject Jesus Christ. They wanted the miracles. They wanted the bread. They wanted the healings, but they didn't want the spiritual things. They didn't want the salvation that He offered. And you know what? Jesus couldn't work with them, but you know what? God could work with his son, and that's why God fulfilled everything that was promised to Israel through just one person who was of Israel, and that was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ did it all. Jesus Christ offered a, He He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He offered up himself as a sacrifice. He died, was buried. He rose again from the dead. And because Jesus Christ did that, now not only can God still save Israel, but he can save the whole world. Any, anyone can now be saved. And folks, that is very good news. That's very good news. Everything in the book of Mark is the gospel. Every, everything in the book of Mark is good news because all of it is about Jesus proving that that he could accomplish what the jews couldn't accomplish this old testament all this bible right here we have jews couldn't handle that but jesus did jesus did handle that and so every promise and said people like to put words in my mouth when i'm talking about what could have been and all this stuff speculating at the end of the day you know we can have some differences on how things might have played out and maybe how uh, to interpret some Old Testament passages. At the end of the day, here's what you've got to understand: everything that gets done, that was accomplished for salvation, it's all fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He's the focal point, you know. And while we might get some of the technicalities wrong on some of these things in the Old Testament and how they're going to be fulfilled, just understand the focus is on Jesus Christ. And I'm just looking to Him when it comes to all the details of everything that's got to be done. Prophetically from the Old Testament prophecies, I think Jesus can take care of all that stuff. And in the meantime, I am just going to trust Him and thank God for the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. It is all in Jesus Christ and I will, I will never understand why people will continue trying to teach multiple gospels. Let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. There's always ever only been one way to salvation, and it was through Jesus Christ. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. And Lord, we thank you for doing all these things for us, Lord, so we can have salvation and go to heaven someday. We thank you for giving us a book that tells us all about it, that gives us everything we need to know so we can be saved. I pray you'll help us to live by it. I pray you'll help us to just proclaim it and spread it to as many people as we can. In your name we pray. Amen.